Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want any more information on the things that we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Everywhere you look, there's parables. Here we go. Or if you're bad at saying words, parabolas. Wow. Jesus spoke in parabolas. No. No, he did not. So we got parables all over the place. We we have tried to define them well in a sermon, but we both thought maybe it might be wise just to put it on a podcast here so that it's timeless. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Forever. Oh, yeah, so to give people a chance to, you know, come back, listen to this episode, and if you're thinking, what is a pot- parable, what does it mean, uh, this podcast will help you at least think about it and kind of, you know, be guided along with why Jesus says what he says the way that he says them. So you and I have talked about the definition a number of times because we've both preached a lot of parable sermons recently. Yep. So what definition do you use or, or do we use or, you know, what, what have we read in books that we've stolen really is what it is. Because we don't want us to sound like it's our definition of a parable. Right, right. I mean, to, to boil it down, if you had to boil it down to just a simple sentence, you know, it's, it's a story with a point or a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but that definition feels very lacking. Uh, it's, it's a type of literature or genre to use that term type of genre that is unique in how we understand it because there's a specific point or purpose that's trying to be taught through the details of the story so that's maybe a little bit more of a a full definition but the the tricky thing with parables is parables are unique to literature like you have to Mm -hmm. use certain principles specifically with them that maybe you wouldn't use in other pieces of literature. And then each parable itself is unique. Mm-hmm. And some parables are just extended stories. And really the only thing that matters in the story is just, it's the story is there to build up an emotional response to the punchline. Sure. Right. But some of them are more like, Hey, you need to pay attention to the details because there's a little bit of allegory here. Each one of these details means something and you need to pay attention to those some of them are just examples hey this is the same as this or Mm -hmm. you know but any anytime we use metaphor or figurative language the purpose is to help you understand Mm -hmm. right it's like it's like that uh that story of um you know the the kid who's reading like poetry and doesn't understand it and it's like oh this must be deep, mm-hmm. right? Like, I have no idea what this is talking about, so it must be deep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's that's actually not the purpose. Like, when we use metaphor, we're not, or, or story, and in Jesus' case, parable, he's not attempting to make things harder to understand for the people that are willing to listen. Right. Uh, there, there's a little bit of hiddenness, and Jesus says that. He says, listen, people are not going to understand this. That's why I'm using parables. Mm-hmm. But for those who do want to listen and understand, this is going to help you understand, you know, for example, most of his parables, he begins with the kingdom of heaven is like. Right. So it's going to help us understand something about spiritual reality, which is intangible and unseen by using tangible and seen ideas to explain mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, and they're they're a little different than like say a fable, right? right. A fable is typically a mythological situation or story or character who teaches us some type of purpose or punchline, or uh, you know, the punchline has some kind of uh, ethic right attached right. to it so you teach kids not to sneak out in the woods by telling them that they're going to be baked into a cake by a witch right or something uh but the idea of jesus's parables is specifically he's using very earthly terms that make sense to the common folk that he's talking to typically farmers right fishermen right. that kind of thing or people who at least experience those types of things you totally know, you might be a merchant but merchants know mm-hmm. farming because it's all over the place totally and then you're taking this earthly concept and you're attaching it to something that's heavenly so starting a parable off with the kingdom of heaven is like that metaphor is saying you aren't fully going to get this because you're on earth and earth is less than it should be it's not heaven you know, this connection between heaven and earth has been rendered for some reason or rendered, right? It's been ripped apart from each other. And so because of that, you can't even think in the way that you should. So I'm going to help you think a little differently than maybe you would. And I'm going to use this story to teach the purpose. Like you said, there's there, and there is still an ethic attached to it. There still is some type of moral, right? You take it and you go, oh yeah, okay. I totally understand what that's saying. But at the same time, it's meant to, to talk to the common folk about something that they may not understand otherwise. So when we read them today, I think sometimes we're still trying to grapple and, and pull more out than maybe even what the original intention was sometimes or, or something along that lines. Yeah, because I think what we sometimes miss in our analytics of a parable is some parables <clears throat> excuse me, are just meant to create an emotional response in our hearts right. and then deliver the punchline that like, punches you in the emotional gut, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, I think is a good example of this. Mm-hmm. So you have like Origen and Augustine, right? Who I think misunderstand this parable by making it into, uh, you know, what we call allegory. So like sure. each piece, if you read Augustine's, <clears throat> man, something in my throat. Um, Augustine's uh, explanation of this parable, like each piece, like the donkey has like a, to him, to his modern time, a modern day Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, even the two coins are like the, the truth, the two virtues of, of love. And then the innkeeper is the apostle Paul and the inn is the church and like all these things. And he explains the story as each piece in detail. And really, I think for Jesus's original hearers, all the little details of, you know, the road he went on and you know, how he got mugged and what they took and mm-hmm. where they went and who paid. It's it's really just, a, you're just supposed to be wrapped up in the story. Exactly. You're supposed to be almost like you're watching a movie and you're like, man, this guy got got beat up and then the priest and the Levi, they don't do anything mm-hmm. but the, I, the Samaritan. You know, if you were, we did this in student ministries. We went through a bunch of parables and we, we made modern day retellings. Mm-hmm. And in this particular one, we're like, yeah, basically like, yeah, a guy gets beat up and mugged and, and kicked to the sidewalk and a bunch of people walk by and a pastor happens to walk by and he's like, ah, you know, I got to go meet this person mm-hmm. to help them. And then somebody else, you know, uh, uh, the the mayor of the city walks by and like, ah, the crime's just getting too crazy here. You know, I got to get out of this. But then like an illegal immigrant pulls him mm-hmm. out of the gutter and pays for their their hospital bill. Mm-hmm. It's like, let me take care of you. And in, in our day, 
with all this political stuff around like immigration, immigration, illegal, legal, you know, all that, that would just like gut punch us because then Jesus would say like, which guy was doing right here? Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to say that's the guy or, or, you know, who are America's enemies right now? North Korea, you know, some like North Korean spy walks in and pulls him out of the gutter and you're like, okay, which one of that guy did right? And so let's not, over-interpret the parables that are not meant to be over-interpreted. Some of them are, you know, just, again, it's just like a joke. Like you gotta, you gotta have the punchline, right? If you miss the punchline, like one of my, one of my favorite jokes right now with my boys, my, I have young boys for those of you who are listening is, uh, what do you call a boomerang that won't come back? Okay. Well, let's move on. Uh, so if we look at these different, right, like, like everyone's like, everyone's like, well, what's, what's the punchline? Right, like we, right, you got to right. hit the punchline. So the punchline is a boomerang that won't come back. It's, it's just a stick. I like it. My eight year old rolls his eyes when I say that now he's like, you're such a dad. And we are, and yeah. we're proud of it. But yeah, that's, a, that's exactly it. And I think when you're reading Jesus's parables, just like you said, the point of that particular parable to good Samaritan is the best neighbor is the one you don't expect it to be, right? The person that you think is dirty, disgusting, and twisted in some way. It, you know, it, it's hitting on race. It's hitting on socioeconomic status. It's hitting on all these things. And Jesus is like, no, that's actually the guy that's got it figured out. Whereas the priest and the Levite and the others are just sort of caught up in their own world. Right. And they're, they're more concerned with themselves, with their own platform, than they are with, with what the, the Samaritan is. And so when you look at all the parables that we're talking through, you know, the parable of the sower, the, the, you know, the various plant imagery, things that we see in Mark four, all of them have this, this feel of there's something going on. The kingdom of God is about to expand. It is here, right? It's a seed. It's starting. It's a light. It's, it's shining. And if you're looking for it, you can find it. And if you're a part of it, it's about to explode. It's going to move from small to big. Something amazing is about to happen. You've got to pay attention. And if you miss that, that's really the point of what Jesus is saying in Mark 4, then you miss the whole point entirely. And if you go back and try to read through it all and make it say something that it's not supposed to, you know, um, you know, I've heard so many stories on the, the parable of the sower and people have dug so far into every little detail of, of uh, this is, you know, you're a thorny whatever, and it's okay. The, <laughs> yes, I yeah. understand yeah. where you're going, and I understand why you want to make it say more than it is. And I do think that there's some compelling things for us to stop and consider. But that parable's meant to mean something to every one of us, as opposed to, you know, the theologian who's finally cracked the code and figured it out 2,000 years later. Oh, if we didn't have blank, we wouldn't know what this parable really means. That's not the point. What the point is, is Jesus is talking to very common people, giving them something, and they would read that and go, oh, yeah, okay, that seed's falling on the the path. Oh, I know, that seed's not going to make it. Right. Oh, rocky soil. Oh, thorny. Yeah, I get it. Good soil. Yeah, I want my seed to fall in good soil, and I want it to expand, and I want it to multiply. That's the whole point. Right, right. And it's not, you know, we, we have to ask, who is the person in the story we're identifying with if any and a lot of times with the sower we like to think oh we're supposed to identify with one of the four soils Mm -hmm. but jesus is talking to his disciples he wants them to identify with the sower right and so what is what is the sower's reaction the sower is sowing everywhere and it's not up to the sower to 
one, choose who they're sowing to. I think that's a big point there. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's not up to the sower to determine the response right. of the people that hear the word. And so, you know, when I preached this a uh, little bit ago, that's the route I took. And it wasn't just to be unique or different or, oh, we've done this a million times. Let's look at it anew. I think that's that's really why Jesus was telling that story mm-hmm. in the first place. And I think sometimes the sower, because parables are hard, we jump into it and we jump to what's the first thing I can latch on to? Oh, it's one of these four types of soil. What type of soil am I? But that's part of the uniqueness of parables in general. Every parable is different. And we have to look at each individual one and say, what what's what's that punchline? We got to get to that. Because you have, for example, uh, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. Parables sometimes create hypothetical situations. And so I've seen whole theologies written about this place called Abraham's bosom. And there's other scriptural evidence. So I'm not saying like throw it all out or it's, it's a myth or anything like that. Um, I'm not read up on it enough to make tons of comments right now, but this story where the rich man dies and then Lazarus is the poor man who was outside his gates in the Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, which is this place where the dead are temporarily until the return of Jesus. And it's, it's, but it's like heaven. And then the rich man ends up in, in the um, ground, Sheol, Sheol, whatever that is. And then there's this conversation the two of them have between, but there's this chasm and it's like, and then people said, oh, well, when you do get to heaven, then you'll be able to have a conversation with people who are in hell because of this story. And it's like, you know, I don't really think Jesus is in this particular parable is teaching the reality of heaven and hell and Mm -hmm. Abraham's bosom and Sheol. I think he's just creating this, this idea, this picture so that you have emotional response when he gets to the end. And he says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither of them will be, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Right. Like, get to the punchline. And and that's not unique to this story, that type of understanding, but even, um, you know, the parable of the shrewd manager, mm-hmm. who if, if you're not familiar with this parable, Jesus talks mm-hmm. about a guy who's about to get fired, so he goes to all of his employers' uh, Accounts, accounts, basically. Yeah, yeah. goes to all mm-hmm. their accounts and, like, cancels or cuts their accounts in half mm-hmm. for personal gain. So he, he's breaking the law, and he's doing something extremely unethical. But then when he interacts with the guy who's going to fire him, he gets fired, of course. But then the guy who fires him, his employer, is like, wow, like, that was really shrewd of you. You really used the position you were in to help out your long-term future. So Jesus isn't saying go and do likewise. Right. He's talking about like, wow, there's an emotional response. You would look at that and be like, man, that guy has some, some guts to mm-hmm. really go out there and do these types of things. He's going to work at anything for this goal that he's headed toward. Uh, that type of shrewdness is the type of shrewdness that you should have mm-hmm. when you're uh, on the mission of Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's not saying break laws. He's not saying this guy was good. He's not saying he's vindicated. He's not saying he's justified in what he's done. He just, he just wants to zero in on this, just this idea of, of what he calls shrewdness. Mm-hmm. So, No, I, I, yeah, I'm you. totally with you. And I think that that's a big part of what's happening with a number of the parables. The punchline is what matters the most. And if you don't notice the punchline, 
with and with every one of those, the the punchline has a specific purpose and a plan and a and a an expectation of the hearer to say, "Oh, right." How can you read the parable of the good uh, of the the sower and not think of, "Oh, I'm supposed to multiply." Right, yeah. 30, 60, 100 times. That's the whole point. I mean, if if you're not doing that, then you're not healthy, right? Healthy things, yeah, yeah. yeah. multiply. I mean, it's just the way it is. So there's so much going on there, and you you have to want to understand the meaning. You have to stop and actually consider it, think about it, pray about it, let the Spirit lead. But I think one of the big things that you and I have talked about a few times that I think is really important, part of what parables are doing, especially the way Jesus is teaching them, is there's only one way to really access the truth, right? I mean, there's there's all this stuff in there that we can read and kind of dig into, right? Origin and, and Augustine and others are just really famous for making a, a really simple story, not simple at all, and making it way more, you know, allegory than it needs to be. But the, the real point of all of this is so often Jesus is teaching something to the crowd that, that confuses everybody. And then Jesus is calling his disciples in and explaining what that, what that story meant. Right, right. It's the ones who are closest to Jesus who, you know, especially in the example of the parable of the sower, they get the explanation. Mm-hmm. But the ones who are close to Jesus are the ones who are understanding. They're the ones that have the good soil, the open heart, the open mind. And Jesus even tells us in that parable that some people, he's using these parables because they don't want to know, so right. they're not going to know. And so the best way to understand these parables is to be close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he, through, you know, in that time, through his words, but today, through the Holy Spirit, will help us understand the kingdom messages he's trying to teach in the parables. That was intentional in his, in his day. There, there's this idea of revealing and concealing, but the way to be revealed is to be close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now that he has done exactly what he's saying he's going to do, right? His, his kingdom has come. It is, it is in fullness. It's not complete, but we've got access to all of it. There's, you know, we're not waiting for something. We're right. waiting for the full revelation of it. And, but in the meantime, you and I have everything we need to do to operate well un- under his leadership and under his, his lordship. Uh, he's already saved us from sin. He's already won the victory over the, the powers of the world. The question is just, when is he going to return and bury them in the ground once and for all? Right. So in the meantime, what the disciples are experiencing is they're hearing the parables. They don't get them yet. Part of the reason why they're passing them on to us is because they're saying, oh, this way, this makes way more sense now, now that I'm on the other side of this. We've got everything we need to access it. But the same truth is true. The only way to really understand what Jesus is talking about is to get close to him, right? right? So being a disciple of Christ, I don't know about you, but I read the parables a lot and I keep going back to them. And what I keep finding is, oh, that's a cool little detail. Not to the extent of what, like you mentioned, Augustine, like not to the extent of what he's doing, where he's reading into every single little detail and doing its thing. But I'm, the parable of the sower makes more sense to me today 25 years into my journey with Jesus than it did at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. And, and every one of these don't confuse me as much as they did when I first started because I'm going, Oh, I totally get it. He wants, he wants me to, yeah, both be good soil. And I think also you, you're, you know, you talked about, we are supposed to 
sort of align ourselves with the idea of the sower itself. Clearly that parable is not saying you are the sower. Jesus is the sower in Mark 4. However, how do you read Paul saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the growth and not attach that to the sower parable? Right. Right. So it's, it's in the front of Paul's mind even. Part of what's driving him to plant churches and to be the person he is is because he understands I'm supposed to be multiplying. I'm supposed to be taking what I've been given and going out in the world and showing people what it looks like. And so that puts us in a spot where we're supposed to just stop and go, all right, I want to get close to Jesus. Jesus is going to give me what I need, and he's going to guide me and lead me and, and help me understand exactly what he's trying to make sense of here. Any final thoughts? Uh, sounds good. I like your wrap-up. All right. That's it, folks. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. Go back and listen to it a bunch of times and learn what parables are all about. Mm-hmm.